Let me say something as we, before we dive into this. We have two guys that I want to bring attention to today. Pastor John, would you mind standing up for a moment? Thank you. This is Pastor John from Rwanda. I had the opportunity to meet him. And if you would, just stay standing for just a moment. So just a wonderful guy. I got to spend a couple of hours with him or so the other day with Sandy. And then Eric Larson, would you stand up? Eric right here just got back. Eric just got back from Ethiopia, and I just think it's so cool. I was, John, telling you about Eric, and Eric just got back from Ethiopia, so maybe, maybe you guys can meet, connect. Uh, Eric is part of a church planting movement in Ethiopia, and Pastor John here is church planting in Rwanda, and so just so excited and proud of both of you. Would you put your hands together for these two today? God bless you. Thank you, Eric. The Apostles' Creed, you just heard on the video, and I, I want to say something real quick because it keeps bouncing back at me. How many of you were absent last week, if you would just, if you was not here last weekend? That's good. So let me explain something to you for a moment. I put that Creed video on the Facebook, and as soon as I did, uh, quickly after that, something bounced back. Uh, it was one of our youth from years and years ago. She's married with children now. You know, I'm getting older. But nevertheless, she was saying, uh, I think I heard Catholic church on there. And absolutely, you heard the word Catholic church because that Catholic means the universal church. The church, the whole, there's one church. Everyone say one church. There's many tribes, there's many places where we meet, but there's only one church, the universal church, and that's what that speaks of. The creed was written between 100 and 300 A.D. The Roman Catholic Church didn't begin until 1054. The creed is six, seven, eight hundred years older than the uh, Roman Catholic Church. So it has nothing to do with what you would perceive as Roman Catholic and that of the universal church. Another thing to explain is it's not universalism. I don't want to go into that today. If you don't know about it, praise God. But if you do know about universalism, that there's not a heaven or hell, then that's definitely not what it speaks of because we speak of the Bible line upon line. Amen. So if you have any questions about that, please let us know. One of our elders here, Neil Peterson, will you wave at me, Neil? Neil was saying when he was raised up, they said this creed every Sunday. Well, I, I never even heard the creed, but you know, I... You know, I wasn't raised the way that Neil was raised. But this is a creed of the apostles of 12 men who lived and breathed and acted upon what this is written of and even most died for. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing that we believe here at Heart of the City Church. Craig did an outstanding job. If you've not listened from last week, the introduction to the creed and what the creed is, the history behind it, you should really go online and check that out. Today I have the opportunity to share the, the second part of the creed and we're going to dive into that. Right now, everyone say football. football. How many of you know that I spent three weeks in London? When I say football in London, 
It means something way different than NFL football in America. Are you with me? So that two Catholics, there's a huge difference in what that is right there. We're going to pray. We're going to dive into the word. Will you go with me this morning? I felt God's presence on this word this morning. I think he wants to touch your life in a beautiful fashion. There's people in here with broken hearts. There's people in here broken relationships. There's people in here that's hurting God by the power of his Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. He wants to touch your life. There's probably people in here that doesn't even believe and God wants to touch you, wants to save you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Pray with me right now. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the church. I thank you for the interns. I thank you that you're building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we say, have your way, Holy Spirit, into this place. We pray a blessing upon our guests and ask that you would just meet them in a beautiful fashion. Lord, we pray now transforming power of the Holy Spirit even as we dive into your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, the part that I'm preaching on today is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Will you say this with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. There's first mentions in the Bible. Let me explain first mentions for a moment. First mentions, whenever you would, if you were to look up Peter, James, and John in the Bible, if you just look those three names up, you would always find Peter first mentioned. It would always say Peter, James, John. It wouldn't say Andrew, James, and Peter. It wouldn't say Matthew, Peter, and John. It would always say Peter, James, and John. Why? Because Peter was the leader. And first mentions are so important when it comes to the Bible. I don't know if they did this. I don't know if the creed was made that way. But if it was, it's really cool that it's spelled out and written out this way. God the Father, Almighty Creator. Because today I want to talk to you mostly about the Father. I want to camp out on the Father. But I will say this, that He is Almighty, Everyone say almighty. That word is Jehovah El Shaddai. He is almighty. He is the most powerful, having complete power. God is omnipotent. He's all power. He's El Shaddai. He's all that we need. He's all that we will ever need. And I love a scripture that goes with this today. It's out of Luke 137, and it says this. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with, see, you can kind of read a scripture just like, oh, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And you'd be like, oh, let me go to the next scripture. Or you can kind of slay, slay, you can meditate on that. And I, I just want to meditate on that just for a minute because the Bible says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. When it comes to cancer, let me tell you, nothing will be impossible. John, when it comes to church planting, nothing will be impossible. And even as I was in worship, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for you, John, that you're going to be, as it were, like Abraham. You're going to have sons and daughters 
God is open to the heavens over Rwanda. God is open to the heavens over the church. And I feel like the stars and the suns of the sky, God is going to use you to be a father in that nation, a voice in the nation. You have natural kids, but I say to you today, you better get ready because God is bringing many, many, many spiritual children to your house. And I just see children running all around. You better get ready in your children's ministry. There's going to be children everywhere. You better raise up an army, Pastor John, because people, God is bringing the people. I just see, I just see you and your wife as it were mother and father in the faith. And God, he's going to use you mightily to bring revival to Rwanda. I see restoration in Rwanda where the devil took 50. 50. God's going to bring back a hundredfold through your hands and through your ministry and through your voice. Man, get ready. Get ready. Get ready because you're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. Come on. Jesus. Huh. Ooh, Jesus, watch out. He's in the house. I feel a preaching anointing today. Woo. Wow. He's almighty. For with God, nothing is impossible. That broken relationship, let me tell you today, nothing's impossible. If you come to play church, you came to the wrong place. We're here all about meeting with Jesus today. The one who says nothing's impossible. Whatever you're faced with, if it's financial today, I want to let you know God is omnipotent. He's almighty. He's all powerful. And nothing is impossible for your God today. Put your faith in that God today because he wants to meet you in a beautiful way. Amen. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere, he's almighty, he's omnipotent. I love this song. I'm not a singer. I, yeah, I'm a singer, I just don't sing good. But check this out. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. I got to kick it up a tone. Listen to these words. And though this world, devil's field, should threaten to undo us. Listen to the words. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. He's a mighty fortress. He's almighty God. He's El Shaddai. Everything that you will ever need, you'll find in him. And it also says that he's creator. Say that with me, creator. Creator, the word for that is Jehovah Elohim. Genesis 1.1. Listen to me, millenniums today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Don't believe theories. Don't believe the fantasies. I got the fact, Jack, it is written in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's Jehovah Elohim. Come on. He's creator maker. Come on. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God, is he not an awesome God? He's the creator. He's maker. Come on. He's all of those things. And today I want to spend the rest of the time in my session to talk to you about, I believe in God, the Father. Will you say that with me? I believe in God, the Father. I want to bring you to a very important area of the scriptures that's impacted my life. I mentioned them earlier, Luke 9, Luke 10, and then Luke 11. Let me just break down Luke 9 to you just for a minute. Jesus has raised 12 disciples, and now he's getting ready to send them out. He gives them authority. He gives them authority to preach the gospel. He gives them authority to go and heal the sick. He gives them authority that's been given to him. He gives it to the 12, and then they go out, and then they come back in and kind of explain what's taking place. And then in Luke uh, uh, 10, he sends out 70 others. So 12 was not the only disciples. I mean, it was his first disciples, apostles, but there's all kinds of disciples that follow Jesus. Now there's 70 others, and he sends them out two by two, and they go throughout the region, and they preach the gospel. They go and they raise the dead. Think about that. They go and heal the sick, and they go and minister. They stay in people's homes and fellowship and communicate, and community takes place. And then in Luke 11, it takes place. So I can just imagine Jesus, he's been working really hard. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And with that, uh, ministry can get very tiring. So I can imagine he's been working hard, raising up the 12 dirty dozen, you know what I'm saying? Sending them out and then 70 other, and he's discipling them and he's equipping them and he's sending them out. And then this takes place in Luke 11. I can just see him going, man, I just want to get away. I just... I just want to go someplace and pray alone. And he's some maybe in a forest or maybe on a rock or I don't know where he's at, but he's in a certain place and he's, he's praying and, and I can just see one of his disciples, I don't know which one, just kind of sneaking up, just listening to him, watching him and hearing him. And I think that disciple experiences something that he had never experienced before. I don't think this disciple had ever seen anyone pray like Jesus had prayed before. And it put a hunger in his heart. And now I want to read Luke 11, 1. It says this. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. He was in a certain place. The disciples teach us. What did he see and feel and sense for the disciple to come to him and say, teach us to pray like John taught? And he said this. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
What did he say? What, what caused this disciple to say, teach us to pray? I want to let you know today that I think that this disciple saw something that he had never saw before in prayer. He saw a son and a father in deep relationship. He saw this Jesus in deep, deep prayer. Jesus reveals something so beautiful, the God of the universe that we talked of, the maker, the creator, El Shaddai. He's all of those things. And then Jesus reveals that he's your father. In the Hebrew, that word is Abba, that he's your Abba, that he's your Abba, 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 Abba. In English, we would say da, 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 daddy, daddy. This disciple sees something he's never seen before. You would, you would think, wow, father, son, talking, communicating, and there's deep devotion, and, and there's this deep connection, and, and all of a sudden he says, this is how I want you to pray. How amazing and how enduring. Would this be to see this? No other world religion on the face of the earth is God Abba. God Dada. So this was a beautiful, amazing revelation. If you think about when Jesus first came on the scene, when he became his ministry or stepped into his ministry, you'll see something that took place beautiful at his water baptism. And it says this in Matthew 3, 16 through 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And suddenly, a listen to this, and suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my boy. This is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. If you're caught up in works and brownie points and if you're caught up in in, in performance, I got news for you today. Before Jesus raised the dead, before he turned water to wine, before he walked on water, any of those things took place. God looked from heaven and said, this is is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. What a, what, this disciple has seen something he had never seen on the face of the earth. Endurance and real, this is not religion. This is not tradition. This is relationship. Listen to this. Just listen to the word, listen for the word father in the scripture here. And when, Matthew 6, 5 through 8, and when you pray, You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. If you would put that scripture up, thank you. Surely I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you are in the secret place, and and it says this, pray to your father, Abba. Pray to your father, Abba who's in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, Jesus was all, he constantly brought it back to, this is your daddy. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Help me out, Craig. Repetitions. As the heathen do. For they think they're heard, for there are many words 
God the Father, God the Father, God the Father, God the Father. What? It's not about many words. It's about heart. It's about relationship. Do you know him today? For they think they are heard from many words. Therefore, do not be like them for your father. Your Abba, Abba knows the things that you need before you ask him. Don't pray to show off. Don't pray to impress or in vanity. Pray in relationship. Jesus in his darkest moment. Jesus in his darkest hour. You, you wonder if Jesus knew about anxiety. I say yes he did. You wonder if Jesus knew about worry. Absolutely. You wonder if Jesus had the what ifs and the doubts. I'm telling you Jesus went through some tough things and in his darkest moment I want you to see how he addressed the God of the universe saying Abba Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He never doubted, but I want to let you know that Jesus, you think, well, did Jesus really go through stressful times? Have you ever sweated blood? Jesus was stressed to the utmost. He knew and he knows what you go through, and he immediately called upon his Abba. Abba! Abba! My concern that when we are in church, or maybe you're raised in church, and maybe you've been around for a while, and you hear the word, our Father, you know the prayer, that it can become ordinary. You can have this feel of somewhat familiarity, like Don was gone for 11 days, and you know me and Don's really good friends, and then all of a sudden I started missing Don, the, the ordinary, the familiarity, had, you know, kind of war. What's the old saying? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. Have we gotten so familiar with the words, our Father, our Abba, that we're used to it? And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that doctrine down, J.O. I got that, I got that, our Father. I know he's my dad, I know he's my father. But it's not ordinary. Don't let it get familiar. The God of the universe, El Shaddai, he says, hey, I want to be your dad. I want to be your Abba. I want to be your father. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. My favorite attribute of God, even though whenever I pray, a lot of times I go through the names of the Lord. I go, hallowed be thy name. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're Jehovah Mekadish. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're all, I go through those a lot of times in honor of God. But my favorite attribute of the Father is that, that he's my Father. That's my favorite I kind of I go through the hallowed be your name, but when I get to, you're my Abba. You see, whenever I was eight years old, my dad and mother was killed 
And then I come to know Jesus Christ at 21 years old. And I want to let you know today, if you're here, because I have a feeling in my guts that there's some here that doesn't know Christ. Now listen to me. He changes everything. I came to know Jesus at 21, and then all of a sudden that I can have a relationship with the God of the universe, the maker, the creator, that he's my Abba, that he's my father. And for I'm 51 now. I know I don't look it, praise God. But... <laughs> He's my Abba. He's my dad. I go to him. I know that I'm never, never, never alone. No matter what I'm faced with, I'm never, ever, ever alone. He's with me at all times. He's my Abba, and I can talk with him, and he commu- He loves me. Oh, he loves you. Man, you're the best thing since sliced bread to the Father. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Brenny Manning says this. Listen to this real good. It's, I, I even put it up for you to read along with me or to see it. If you'll put that up, Brenny Manning says, if you took the love of all the best mothers and fathers who have lived in the course of the human history, all their goodness and kindness and patience and fidelity, and wisdom and tenderness and strength and love, and united all those qualities into a single person, that person's love would only be faint, be a faint shadow. Let me, let me just say that. I don't want to say that too fast. That person's love would only be a faint shadow of the furious love and mercy in the heart of God the Father addressed to you and me at this very moment. A lot of believers, they get it up here. But to get it from here to here, it's like Hawaii and, and Alaska. It's a long trip, man. God wants to get it out of your mind. That, oh, yeah, yeah, he's my father, he's my father. He wants to get it in your heart. That you would pray and be in relationship with God like Jesus, the Son. See, that's where truth will set you free. It's not in your intellect. It's when the truth gets down in your heart and in your guts. And you're like, yeah, I got it. Oh, he's good. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. It's funny. We'd be in church, and you know what? We, you, you used to go to, like, crazy concerts, like, let's applaud. It's easy top and bars and act all crazy. It's come to church, it's like, oh, we, oh, we better be quiet and still. Come on, man, we can have a concert for the king of all kings. I'm not talking about Elvis here. I'm talking about Jesus. Anyway, that's for free. That's for free. Child psychologist tells us that babies begin to speak between the ages of 14 and 18 months, and the first word normally that's spoken out of their mouth, da, da. I mean, if you were in Israel, Abba, Abba. Pastor John, what would they say in Rwanda? Dada, dada, I love dada, dada, Abba, Abba, da. 14. Data, data, data. Huh? And God reveals to us that's the relationship He wants to have with you. Data, 
Jesus, Brendan Manning says, Jesus is saying that we may address the infinite, transcendent, transcendent, almighty God with the intimacy, familiarity, and the unshaken trust that a 16-month baby has setting on his father's lap. Data! Abba! Abba! The greatest gift I've ever received in my life is through Jesus Christ. That my name is Jonathan David Owens, a.k.a. Pastor J.O., and I'm my, he's my daddy, and he loves, I'm, I'm the father's little boy. That's the greatest news for me to be able to walk in that. Listen to this, Galatians 4, 4 through 7, it says this. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm no longer a slave to sin, to fear. I'm no longer a slave to anything. Why? Because I'm an heir of the most high God. I'm a son. If you're a daughter, you should say I'm a daughter. I can't say it. Oh, go with me, church. You're, I'm preaching my guts out. I believe in this. And you're looking at me like who else? Come on. Come on, daughter. Say, I'm a daughter. Isn't that good news? If you don't know that today, you can know that. You can be in this intimate relationship. Let me show you something out of the scripture. You can read through the scripture really fast and not catch it. The spirit of his son. The spirit of his son, Jesus, into your heart. That spirit of his son in your heart says this, crying out, Abba, Father. The same spirit of Jesus wants to go into your heart that it would cry out, Abba, Father, that you're adopted. You're not an unwanted stepchild. He wants to ingrain you in. The relationship has changed. We're no longer under the old covenant. The covenant has changed. The contract has changed. He wants to be your Abba, your daddy, your father in relationship. It's not a religion, it's not a theory, it's not a philosophy, it's not a psychology. Come on, it's a relationship of a father. I was in southern Idaho years ago as a youth pastor. Man, there was four people that had heard of this town. Anybody ever heard of Greenleaf before? Wow. (laughs) Greenleaf, I just got through preaching at a Christian school. I pull out of the Christian school, it's in the mid-morning, and there's, I'm getting ready to get on the interstate there, I-84, and right before I get on the interstate, I look in the, in the park, and it's like four or six white vans. That stood out, but what really stood out more, and I do not mean this in a, any type of a mean way or anything, that's not my heart, just hear me out, there was Muslims everywhere. The only people that was in the park that I saw was maybe 40 or maybe 50 Muslims. I don't know, 24, something. However many bodies fit in those vans, there was Muslims. And, and it wasn't like, hey, I wonder wh- who they are. 
it was very, very uh, obvious. Pure white robes, white Muslims. <laughs> you feeling me? And I'm just minding my own business. You know, I just got through preaching at a Christian school, and I feel the Holy Spirit. Um, I want you to go in there and tell them about me. on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> and I just, I pull in there, and I, what do you say? He said, God, give me the words. I said, take me to your leader. <laughs> no, I did. And most of what I was talking to, they didn't speak English. They were from either Iraq or Iran. I don't know which one. They were here going from mosque to mosque to encourage the brethren of that movement that religion in America. And so they take me to the leader. He's an older gentleman. He's kind of sitting like this in the park, and he has a blue tarp pulled over his waist and all the way. I can't see his arms. I can't see any of this. I can just kind of see this up. I can't see his hands. I don't, I never thought about it at the time. I don't know what was under the tarp, and maybe there wasn't anything. And I just sat down, and I began to tell him about my relationship with Jesus Christ, and we just started talking about religion, and, and he was pleasant, and so forth and so on, and I started talking about having a relationship with God, about, I shared, I, it's been a few years back, of my, probably my testimony, that's what I normally typically do, and God being my father in relationship, and I want to let you know that things changed when I said relationship, and God the Father, and he looked at me, and he said, blasphemy! Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Blasphemy. That to have a relationship with the God of the universe was blasphemy to him. That you could not have a relationship with God, the Father of the universe. And we talked a little longer, and then, and then I left, and so forth and so on. But I wonder how many Christians, they would never say blasphemy, but they really don't have a relationship with God the Father as your Abba, as your dad, that you would think, man, that's a little weird, calling God the Father, calling him dad, calling him, that's a little bit strange, but I want to let you know, this is what Jesus came to do. He's the way maker. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he made a way to the Father. You can go boldly before the throne of grace because of his blood, because of his righteousness. You can stand before him. You can say, Abba, my Father, Abba, Abba, Data. And have a relationship with him. And if you don't know that today, I know I get a little loud and I get a little passionate, but I think Americans need to hear this. I think the church needs to hear this. I think unbelievers need to hear this. Those who are prodigals that have walked away, you need to hear this, is that we're not a world religion. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 15 through 16. Listen to this. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, 
but you receive the spirit of adoption by which we, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. A, you're no longer bound to a spirit of fear. No, it, you may have never had a relationship with your dad, and, and it's weird to talk about that, the father. You may have had a bad relationship with a father, and it's weird with you. You may have had a traumatic experience, and all of a sudden, you're bound in fear, and you're like, man, I can't approach God that way. I want to let you know I believe that's why that's there, that you don't have to live in fear any longer. Today, you can receive what Christ has did, he's the way maker that you can have a relationship with the Father in a beautiful way. Say this with me today. Can you, can you just repeat something with me? Say this with me. I'm accepted. <laughs> you are. Say it with me again. I'm accepted. Say this. I'm liked. He likes you. He, he actually likes you. He doesn't like you because he has to like you. He just likes you. Huh? He likes you. Say this with me. I'm loved. He loves you. He doesn't love you because you're cute and because you're lovable. He loves you because he's love. And you're his child and he loves you. Say this with me. Me father loves me. Oh, your father loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. When it comes to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I would not, I, I don't think that you should be scared. I, I would be brokenhearted if Jamie's here, so I can pick on you today a little bit. I'd be brokenhearted if Jamie and Seth, they came to me, and they came to me only out of, out of duty, and they only came out of me out of fear, and they're like, almost holy daddy, we know that you are in the house and we come to take your shoes off. And we really don't want to be here because we're scared spitless of you. I wouldn't, that would be flat out weird, right? And how many Christians are so scared of God in the sense of, listen, I know there's a holy reverence for God and I have it for God, but he's also my daddy. There's a church in Mexico that people, they walk on their knees and I hear there's a blood trail to the temple of them trying to show up a sacrifice for their love or some kind of weird sacrifice. Listen, you don't have to do that because you know what? Jesus has already sacrificed for you and I. There's no sacrifice that you can ever do to top what Christ already done. He was beaten and he was crucified and he died and he rose again so that you can be in perfect relationship with the Father. What does he ask you to do? He asks you to believe. He asks you to believe. I believe well-meaning believers operate in a spirit of fear towards their fathers, kind of like the Muslim leader, almighty, omnipotent, powerful, fearful one, but that's not what God would have for you. How you address someone has a lot to do with your relationship with that person. It really is. You ever seen people in the military, you know, the drill sergeant? How do you, you're in the military, uh, right, Neil? Uh, in boot camp, how did you respond to the drill sergeant? Yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, sir, no, sir. Did he want a relationship with you? He didn't want a relationship. <laughs> yes, sir! No, sir! Okay. No relationship there, right? You can say a lot. It has a lot to do with how you, how you interact with someone, how, what you call them. Like, for example, my, my kids call me, they call me, they used to call me daddy, and now they like call me pops. You know what I'm saying? 
and that's cool, Daddy Pops, and, you know, it's, it's enduring to me. Um, people have walked up to me, and, you know, young people, what should I, what should I call you? I'd say, J-O. Just call me J-O. One time I was in a small group, and they were praying over me, just praying over this woman, started praying just loud. God, I pray for J-Lo. I pray you bless J-Lo. I lift up J-Lo. I lift up J-Lo's family to you in Jesus. I pray you. And I'm looking like this, starting to laugh. I'm like, J-Lo's getting blessed, yo. You can call me J-O. You can call me J-Lo. Just don't call me O-J, okay? I just want you, honestly, just to call me, Right? It has a lot to do with how you address someone according to your relationship. It also has to do how you interact with them. God just doesn't want you working for him. God wants you working with him. Are you working for the family business or are you in the family business? God wants you in the family business. And there's a big difference there. There's a difference of heart. There's a difference. It moves. There's a difference of the, of the covenant. There's a difference of the contract. He wants you to work with him. Until I became a daddy, I really didn't understand the unconditional love that God could have towards me. Did any of you other parents come to that conclusion? Can I pick on y'all for a minute? So I, until I had kids, there's my kids right here on the front, until I found out that my kids could be stubborn and rebellious at times and little sinners at times. And yet, my love for them was unchanging. I, I, did I discipline them? Yeah. Did I have to, you know, train them? Yeah. But my love for them, it was never changing. And then, wow, Abba loves me that way. It's not that I want to be a rebel, but at times I am. It's not that I want to be hard-headed, but at times I am. But he still loves me the way I am, especially when Seth was in like freshman and Jamie was like a seventh grader. Anybody remember girls in seventh grade? Or eighth grade? Wow. Still loved her. If you don't know God the Father as a father, and you know that you know that you know if you know him or not, please make that decision today. If you've had a, a rough time with your dad and you've never been able to relate to God as your dad, we want to pray for you today. I want to kind of close with this story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story about a prodigal son. And I want you to listen real close to the words of this story of how the prodigal son perceived the perception he had of himself, the perception he had of God the Father, and the perception God had toward his son. Listen to this. If you remember, the prodigal son had went to his dad and he had asked for the money of his inheritance and he took it and he went and he spent all the money. He lost all of his friends. He lost his mind. I mean, this guy really, really did it, did it in. And now he's at the end of himself. He has no money, he has no friends. 
He's feeding pigs. And this is what he writes. Luke 15, 18, it says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Listen to this. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me, listen to this, like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great far off, the father saw him, Abba, saw him, Dada, saw him, and he had compassion and he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But listen to what the father said. But the father said to the servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry because you know why? Because he's a good, good father. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. He's a, come on, come on. He's a good, good father. The covenant, the covenant has changed. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer under a law. You're under grace. And he loves you. He loves you. And he's a good, good father. Come to the father today.